I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. school I've been to since I was 11. You alright? I think there's someone following me. Come back here, Sharon. Love you. Thanks for walking me back. Yeah. Dad! going on? I know that symbol. This is it. Do you know what that is? Where is my father? The darkness is coming. It's safer to be inside. Run! It's a key. What does it unlock? The true nature of things. You were chosen to destroy the demon. And welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer. And with me, as always, is the lovely and talented Rian Mullux. Boo! <laughs> Boo. Thank you. Well, and, and that is in the spirit of the holiday. This is our second October episode that is a horror-themed show. And also, ghostly Amanda is with us tonight, our producer extraordinaire. Roar. Roar. Roar? Yeah, I'm at the Rin. Aren't we supposed to do roars and boos? Uh, I thought that would be a howl of some kind. Roar? Growl, maybe? Growl? 
We are so terrifying. <laughs> what is terrifying, though, is uh, the basis of our interviews tonight, which is Silent Hill Revelation 3D, the sequel to the awesomely creepy Silent Hill starring Sean Bean and Rada Mitchell. Um, it is a follow-up. It is in 3D. It was filmed in 3D, which is even better. And um, we have the director and writer, uh, Michael J. Bassett, on tonight, as well as stars Adelaide Clemens and the awesome Kit Harrington, who you probably know from uh, the really, really good Game of Thrones, is Jon Snow. So we have the, the delicious Jon Snow. And as I said, his voice sounds like chocolatey goodness. Um, so, yeah, you get that to look forward to tonight. Uh, but yes, uh, this is our month of horror-themed awesomeness. Uh, we did the Universal Monsters episode. Tonight we have the Silent Hill episode. And next week, Mr. Monster Vision himself, Mr. Joe Bob Briggs, will be on as our special guest. So I'm, yes, I'm looking forward to that one. He doesn't do many interviews, and we got him. Because he, uh, I made up a drink after him, as everyone knows, and I can give you the recipe for that online later. But uh, before we get into our interviews, we've got a great week in Geek. We got two shows we have to go over because it's the Supernatural Sundays are back with The Walking Dead and the Once Upon a Time, and yeah, we got our Walking Dead back, and I'm happy. Um, but uh, also, I just had to point out too. Before we get into our recaps, that uh, Agent Coulson is back. Did you hear about this, Ren? Yes, I did. I'm yes. so excited. Guess Agent what, Coulson. What? I have yes. to just I have to just give a moment of glory here to myself because um, you usually break every single piece of news that I, I follow you on Facebook because I don't know what the hell is going on. I tweeted that on the Fangirl Twitter before you saw it, and I have to just say, yay me! Uh, I broke that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I well, we all kind of wondered if it would happen, and uh, it it was officially announced at New York Comic Con, which is awesome. Yes, um, yeah. But also today, Wait something that you know what? I just have to add one thing. You know what's yeah. the most adorable part of that? I think the happiest person amongst all the fans is actually Clark Gar Gregg. Like nobody <laughs> could be happier about it than Clark Gregg himself. He is such a fanboy. He's so stoked. Well, yeah, he watched Steve. Roger sleep. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a fanboy. Um, but know? I have to. Oh, oh, I'm wasting time. I have questions. I want to know. Like, do we know whether the show takes place before or after the Avengers? No, I we mean... don't know Jack. We don't know Jack. <gasps> we just know he's back. Okay. And I, I hope that, like I said, that there is a clone army of little Colsons, and we can all have our own pocket Colson. I would love to have a pocket Colson. That sounds really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Make everything dirty, Jay. Everything is dirty. I know. I'm a dirty, dirty girl. <laughs> um, but I have to add this one too because it was just announced today um, uh, that we knew Neil Gaiman would write another episode of Doctor Who, and it is going to be in the second part of Series Seven. That's what I hear. Neil Gaiman is going to write another one. And as I said, get your Kleenex out because the man knows how to make people cry. Just really, true. And, really and for well. anybody out there who, who still hasn't dived into Doctor Who or, like me, has kind of drifted away, this will be one of the rare ones to go ahead and watch anyway, because it's going to be good. Anything Neil Gaiman does pretty much is good. I, I can't think of a bad thing Neil Gaiman has ever done in terms of writing. There was that time he killed that puppy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, 
say that. <laughs> That's it, not good. It's a bad puppy. No, no. <laughs> There's no such thing as bad puppy. It didn't pup- happen. It didn't happen. I did not just lie. <sighs> You're um, just horrible person. And, and for that, we're going to talk about The Walking Dead first, because I know you haven't seen the first oh. <laughs> Because you had to talk about a puppy dying. There you go. Um, so, um, but I know Amanda watched it. So, Amanda, this is going to be our new True Blood, uh, although this is not going to suck. That's the difference. <laughs> I hope it doesn't suck. I really do. Yeah, so uh, Walking Dead returned, um, shambled back under our TV screens this past Sunday, and I actually got to see the, f- I've, I've seen the first and the second episodes, but we're just going to talk about the first one, and um, oh my god, the first episode of season three of The Walking Dead, I think, probably eclipsed the entirety of season two. Seriously? That's it's big. that it's that big and that good, and they packed in a ton of awesome into this mm-hmm. episode. And I have to agree. Yeah, it, it just it just starts and doesn't stop, doesn't let up. And the cool factor is the first, I would say, before, I think the entire um, segment before the credits start, which, by the way, new credits, did you notice? Oh. Yes, yes, that was really cool. That was really cool. New credits. Um, the, uh, the entire segment beforehand, not one single line of dialogue. Hmm. It was, you know what? Finally, they they created the atmosphere, which it should have been all along, which is like pretty much dark, depressive, and just <laughs> like where he, they're scrambling to survive. Yeah, it's it, it's finally to where that where it should be, where they're actually trying to survive. Well, and, and part of the, the oh, mood oh, is go ahead. great. I I really love the mood of it. It's like it's it's very depressing. I'm not gonna lie, but that's what it should be, and I'm glad that they went there. I real I really am. Well, and it's also the part of the reason for that, too, why it's gotten darker is at this point, um, they kind of did something really neat, which was they fast forwarded seven months, I would say, into the future with this, this episode. It's such a good idea. From just, well, I heard they were going to do that, and I thought, well, that's just, I mean, there's probably no way you couldn't have done that. But for all writing things all the way around, for one... Lori's pregnant. We can't just watch her be pregnant for the whole season. That'll be right. And when you see her, when you see her, her stomach is yeah. She's about ready to pop. Perfect. That's perfect. And plus the kid, the kid's growing up fast. Yeah, and yeah, and that's part of the thing too. Is you get these little nods like uh, Carl. Uh, I, I I'm sorry, I can never remember her name, but the little blonde uh, sister of um, uh, Maggie's sister. I don't remember her name either. I think it's Beth or Bethany or something like that. Beth. Beth, she, uh, Carl's kind of giving her the like, hey, baby, you know, I, <laughs> and it's adorable. Oh, Carl's get what? No, sorry. I was thinking of Lori's sister that died. Who are you thinking of? No, you're thinking of, no, no, it's, I'm, I'm talking about the blonde who is Maggie's yeah. sister. Sorry, you said Lori, and I thought Lori Holden, the actress, and I thought the actress's character whose sister died that I think was named Beth. But okay, never mind. No, 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 no. Yeah, uh, but anyway, she was blonde. I can see that the, the the confusion but yeah uh he's given her kind of like the hey baby eye and then there was this great little funny moment because so many people are horrified that the thought of carol and daryl getting together <laughs> and and they do this great scene together where they're um she's been shooting a rifle and her shoulders out of whack and he goes to she's like trying to rub it and he he licks his fingers Ooh. and rubs her shoulder and she kind of does this yeah, you know, it's kind of romantic out here. You want to screw around, and she can't even That's keep a straight face. That's literally what she said. 
You want to you want to fool around or whatever she says. You want to screw around. Yeah. He actually says that, and and he she can't even keep a straight face because she knows better. She's just That's effing with him. Horrible. And adorable. and he just he just goes shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I about died. And now um, I guess on on Facebook it's funny. Um, my friend Sean who. Who uh, take, who manages uh, uh, Norman Reedus's appearances? Someone mentioned to him, you know that people are going to start asking for him to start doing shoulder rubs or back rubs at conventions now. How much he's going to charge? That is so funny. <laughs> he's like, we're stopping that right now. That is not happening. <laughs> but it's it's hilarious, and uh, I, that those those moments, I like that they did that because it was like a real thing. It wasn't like some forced deal it was you can tell that these people have grown together over these months that because they're still alive they're still surviving together and then you have um uh uh lori holden's character who now has has hooked up with michonne and they're still surviving as well but they're separated from the group and this is what's going to lead them to woodbury before they um run back into the the main group again and that's where they're going to meet the governor separately. They get found because um, Andrea is really, really sick and has like pneumonia. And, and at this point, if you're sick, you're kind of screwed because there's no such thing as doctors or any of that kind of stuff. So it's 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 realistic in that way, too. And, and it's got a lot of drama and a lot of darkness, like Amanda said. And uh, I absolutely well, loved it. I read some. I read some spoiler sort of plot pre- plot previews for the season. And I think there's going to be one of the kind of nice reasons that they've gone this super super dark route with the main group is because where Laurie ends up, and I won't give too much away, but where Laurie ends up is the stark opposite of dark. And it's still creepy, but it's not dirty and scummy and terrifying. It's terrifying in a totally different way. So oh, I think no, it's a really nice ju- juxtaposition there. Oh, they've they already were mentioning Are they my already? I, they're already mentioning my ideas of uh, zombie baby ripping her open. She actually oh. asked that of No, that of, was what I was talking about. I was talking about the town. The town that they get to with the governor. Oh no, Woodbury, yeah. Yeah. There there's there's all kinds of horrible things that's gonna happen and Lori is not going to make it. I can tell you that right now because in the comics everybody that's listened to the show probably knows this already. And if you don't, sorry. But in the comics Lori dies, and so does the baby. I mean, and it's not in a nice way. Yeah. Uh, it, you can expect, if everything goes down like what happens in the comics, that half the cast is gone. Good I mean, Lord. it's it's done. You know, they're going to all die. Like, half the cast is dead. And um, what they've done now, the big cliffhanger ending of the episode, um, spoiler alert, you should have seen it by now if you haven't, <laughs> um, um, is... With Herschel's character, in the comic books, since they've, they, they kind of did a, a, a flip with the two of these guys, with Dale and Herschel, in the comic books, Dale loses a leg, and uh, they cut it off to save him from, from uh, infection. Well, that's what happens with Herschel. So now you've got the Herschel storyline becoming the Dale storyline, and it's even more important for the group because he's the doctor. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's going to be, and, and that was the cliffhanger ending of this episode, and it's going to get even better as it goes along, you, I can tell you that. Did you guys see Lou Temple in there? He's a real close friend of ours. We act, He actually comes to Kansas City, and we visit with him and stuff. Who was he playing? He was playing an inmate. The, the, his only what? line was shit, like that, and they're going <laughs> to, 
Uh, oops, I don't think I'm supposed to, I can say it if I want. I'm the producer. But uh, <laughs> it was like, that was his line, and then they're going to continue on with it next week. He was I, one yeah. of the prisoners. He was one of the inmates, because mm-hmm. they run into some survivor inmates in there at the end, too. That's the last thing. Like that and, and Herschel's leg. And it's nasty. The Herschel leg thing is nasty. So you got that to look forward to. It's good stuff. Yay. So um, moving on, because we're, we're, I knew when we started talking about The Walking Dead, this would happen. But um, Once Upon a Time also start, um, has started back up again. And this last episode was awesome. Um, I love how they are really taking the princess characters and making them badass. They're truly making them role models for girls, not just pretty, pretty princesses. They're making them badasses and they're giving them depth. And um, I love what they're doing. They could have went really hokey with the storyline of Snow White and um, uh, Emma, but they are not. They're making it, they're actually giving Emma not a weakness factor, but she's actually getting emotion back in her life. Like she was very cold and they're making her a lot more interesting. And, and it's neat seeing her trying to fight having these emotions, but she's going ahead and doing it and getting one over by her own mother. Um, and it's awesome. Just really good stuff. I love the guy that they had playing Lancelot. Uh, just everything they're doing was great. This episode really focused on strong women, female characters in the show. And I'm really, really loving it. And, um, we also got some great moments with Jefferson and he's a great, like one of my favorite characters, of course, is a Mad Hatter. Um, but they're also, um, next, next week, it turns out, <clears throat> that Jessica's dream is coming true and Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> is apparently taking on Captain Hook. So, Yay. yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, but uh, Once Upon a Time keeps going and it is amazing. So if you have not watched this show yet, you have no excuse. The entire first season is on Netflix right now. Watch it over a weekend. You will not be able to stop. And then go to abc.com and catch up on this season. I'm only laughing because I put in the first episode and I stopped after eight minutes. But um, that's just me, folks. Try it yourself. <laughs> you didn't even give it a chance. <laughs> Dude, I tried so hard. After eight minutes, I was done. Oh, man. So. It is some of the best stuff on TV right now. That and The Walking Dead really is the best stuff on TV. So, um, so Rin, I know, you had, I know you had something for The Week in Geek. So go for it. Well, in real-life space news, because we do occasionally talk about what happens in the real world, um, I wanted to just, because I know I, like, ranted and raved about when this happened um, a month or two ago. I can't quite remember exactly when. But um, what I've talked about before was the first successful launch uh, of the SpaceX um, Falcon 9 rocket with the Dragon capsule on it that got uh, docked with the International Space Station. So that was the first successful thing was it docked with the Space Station dropped off a bunch of goodies. So what happened last week was they did it again. So they this is the second launch of the same Falcon 9 rocket with the same Dragon capsule on top, delivered more goodies, um, lots of scientific stuff, a super deep freeze freezer to put scientific uh, experiments in. They're going to put into the capsule, once they take stuff out of it, they'll put back in a whole bunch of samples of science they've been doing up on the space station. And then that'll detach in about a week's time and land in the Pacific and then we can get stuff out of it. It's just genius. It's it's actually happening. It's actually really going on. Um, a private company in the United States is running stuff to and from, you know, 
the surface of the Earth to the space station. It's just spectacular to me. I'm excited because this is, um, they've got four main products SpaceX has. Falcon 1, the Falcon 9, and the Falcon Heavy are all their three kinds of rockets. Um, you might be saying to yourself, what happened to Falcons 2 through 8? Uh, <laughs> <but> actually, <laughs> actually, what it is, is they're numbered according to how many Merlin engines are on them. So the, the Merlin engine is their own, their own engine that they built from scratch for their own rockets. Um, so the Falcon 1's got 1, the Falcon 9's got 9, the Falcon Heavy has 27. The Falcon Heavy is going to have its first um, flights, its first demo flights, uh, well, launches really, next year. So the Falcon Heavy is coming really soon. It's going to have twice the payload lift capacity as the Space Shuttle. The Space Shuttle wow. was previously what was taking everything like giant space, uh, satellites and things, the larger satellites, into orbit. That was really the only thing that could handle that stuff. I don't really know who's taking care of that now. I expect it's Russia, because Russia's the only place with big engines, big rockets anymore. But the Falcon Heavy will be the most heavy-duty rocket on the planet. And That's it's going to start doing stuff um, next year. It's really exciting. And so it'll be it'll be it for, for the foreseeable future. I mean, I hope that it spurs a lot of other companies to do a lot of other stuff related to exploring space. So that's well, I my... Got I got to ask you real quick because we're getting ready to run out of time. We got to start our interviews. But um, hmm. what did you think of the Stratos jump? Oh my God. Um, I nearly almost didn't watch that. <laughs> I know that sounds really lame for like a science nerd, but um, my brother called me up and said, Are you going to watch this? I said, Okay, fine. Uh, at first, I was kind of thinking, I don't know why. Everybody thought this was magnificently impressive. I don't. It was very impressive. I don't know why I wasn't, like, jumping. I, I was more jumping out of my seat when Curiosity landed on Mars. Um, uh, yeah, that was what my husband was saying. But at the same time, I watched it live when it happened. And he just was so blasely like, I'm going home now. And he jumped. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> that was pretty That was pretty impressive. You got balls kinda... the size of the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I definitely would crap myself. But um, (laughs) you know what actually kind of put me off, and this is going to sound really superficial, but I was watching it live too, and there was this old, melty-faced, white guy with, you know, whatever. I don't want to describe his physical appearance because that's nothing. He was annoying. He was really rude and condescending, and I may be the only person on the Internet who was bugged by this. But even my boyfriend noticed it, like, when he was giving the instructions to Felix in the capsule, he was like, okay, Felix. Uh, well, I know, think that was his old, that, I think he was old school and he was trying to keep him calm. That's, that's really what I he, took from it. I, I'm, I can't get calm when someone's talking to me like they're absolutely patronizing. That would have, that would have pissed me off really bad. But anyway, <laughs> other than that, it was, it was really impressive. I still haven't heard the verdict whether he broke the speed of limit or sp- speed of sound. Because I know that he didn't break the longest freefall record. That was that's that record from nineteen seventy something still stands. He missed it by fifteen seconds. Yeah. Well and but I thought it was awesome and, and I I'm still kind of saddened by the fact that it took Red Bull to do that. But anyway. Um yeah. uh, that being said, uh, we are we are out of time, and we have to get to our interviews. So I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. I hope you enjoy this. It was great talking to these guys. This movie is going to rock it. And by the way, 99% of this, it sounds like, was done practical with prosthetic effects. And, um, effects. Woo-hoo. Yeah, and uh, that was a big deal. So 
Um, this is this looks great. I hope you go check this out. It comes out right before Halloween this month, I believe, on the twenty sixth, and uh, you need to go check it out. It looks amazing, and uh, Sean Bean returns, Rada Mitchell returns. So uh, yeah, John Snow and his dad are back together again Ooh. on screen, and he's still got his head. <laughs> so anyway, that being said, here are um, the interviews we have with Kit Harrington, Michael J. Bassett, and Adelaide Clemens, the stars and director of Silent Hill Revelations, hitting screens October 26th. Hi, Kit. Nice to meet you, and welcome to Fangirl Radio. Nice to meet you. How are you doing? Doing great. So I know we you're you're super busy, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to talk to us tonight about the um, about the film. Not at all. And um, so let's get started. This this is one of your first major feature films, if I'm if I'm correct. And I was just wanting to get from you how was this as a first time experience for you um, on a on a feature like this, as opposed to your work you're doing with Game of Thrones and previously. It was. Um yeah, I mean, it was the the different genres, the different things. Um, but I, um, yeah, I mean, it kind of, I suppose they're, they're both quite fantastical in the in the way in what they're about. Um, I this was a completely new genre to me. I wanted to work in horror. I've always wanted to do a horror film, so this was kind of ticking a ticking a box. But it was a long time ago we shot it. Now, I mean, I just come off the first series, and. Uh-huh. Um, I just come off the first series of Thrones, so Thrones hadn't even even come out before I was already shooting this film. So it's been a long wow. time in coming. I know, I know. So Thrones came out first season while I was while I was shooting this in Toronto, which was kind of bizarre. <laughs> and uh, so, it, was it what? It sounds like it, what you wanted to do was do a horror film. Was that what made you choose this specific one? Yeah, and also it was a chance to do my first feature. You know, it was it was there as at the right time. Uh, the fact it was a horror movie, you know, it wasn't a deciding factor. I wanted to do a horror, so it was a kind of you know, like I said, ticking a box. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I I I think it was it was just a sort of a chance to to play a lead in a movie, and I loved. I really got on with the director, um, and mm-hmm. I kind of. I kind of uh, responded to the character and it was kind of, it was a lot of fun. You've got to have fun on horror films or you go crazy. Exactly. Especially something yeah. like this. It sounds like, because um, from what I've gathered, everything was sort of on set. So you were in the face with these people and these creatures. And uh, how was that? Because if you've never, you know, really been surrounded by something like this before, it, it, it had to be kind of daunting or at least a little freaky. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I was I was out on my out on my own, you know, uh, little English boy out on my own in Toronto um, for the first time for, for three months, and I was sort of surrounded by these monsters. It was kind of a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre situation to be in. Um, but they were all real, you know. It's, uh, there's very, very little CGI in this uh, in this movie. Everything was very kind of um, visceral and real, and and all the monsters you could touch and see. So it was. Uh, it was kind of um, it was kind of bizarre, but but very helpful for acting. Just being freaked out by these things the whole time, <laughs> genuinely being freaked out rather than staring at a green screen. Right, I was going to say it's not a, a green tennis ball that you're supposed to be screaming at. It's an actual right. person with a big weapon. It's coming that's after you. Seven, seven foot man with a massive mask on. Yeah. <laughs> God, so so um, I know Sean Sean Bean is in this with you. Did you have any actual scenes with him, and and was it kind of 
kind of a nice little bit of, well, at least I have this to, as a tie back to something I know. Yeah, I did. I did have a, a couple of scenes with Sean, and um, I always want more with Sean. You know, yeah. It's, uh, it was it was strange coming from Thrones and this, my second ever TV or film thing. We were straight in back with back with Sean Bean again. <laughs> so, or Sean Bean. Um, like we we uh, yeah, we, we get on very well, and I I I I you know I really enjoy his company, and I I work well with him, and and I hope to do more with him in the future. You know, he's a really he's a really good. A good guy, good, uh, a good chap, and it was just a pleasure. And such a like, you, you learn so much of of him, who's been around this industry for longer than I have. So, so it was honor, an honor to get to work with him again. That's great. So, um, you said that you wanted to do a horror movie. I'm just curious now. Uh, are you a fan of the genre itself? And and if so, what's something? What's what's a couple of your favorite things? Because you come from the land of Hammer, and I don't know if you're a Hammer movie fan or not. <laughs> I am a I'm a, a horror movie fan. I am. Uh, I grew up. You know, it's what I. If I sort of at the end of a day and I'm tired and I just want to mac out and watch something, I end up. You know, horror is what I pick. Strangely, you think that's a bit stressful, but I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like horror movies. Um, so yeah, my favorite. Some of my favorite films of all time are horrors, like The Shining. The Shining. Um, oh, nice. Wicker Man. Um, oh, the yeah. classic in there. Yeah, the Ring. You know the American version of the Ring. I really liked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and David Lynch's films. You know those kind of bizarre, strange, strange films that really freak me out. The kind of horror, horror esque. Um, and I think you know this this movie Silent Hill has elements of the Wicker Man and David Lynch in it. You know, it's very bizarre bizarre film and also um it's about a kind of strange little town where no one no one escapes you know it's uh and the cult thing and the cult thing yeah so i i i think you know they it kind of reminded me of some of my favorite horrors so that that helped me um in choosing to do it nice so your character vincent is actually from um the i believe it's the third game but it sounds, it looks like at least on on um, at the level that I've seen of this, that he's a little bit different from the character in the game. Um, can you give us a little bit more detail without giving anything away about him? Yeah, I mean, it's it's forever tricky talking about <laughs> him. You know, I've, I've done publicity today, and I just have been useless in in explaining <laughs> to anyone <laughs> what I'm what in the he movie. <laughs> Yeah, all I can say about him is he's, <laughs> he he's in the film, yes. But yeah, yeah he's in the it, film and his name is Vincent. No, he um he I I can't really say too much. All I can say is that he's very different. He should almost be called something else, really, because he's very different from the character in the uh, video game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they're basically different people. Um, so so it's you know we're straying quite far from what the the video game Vincent is. Um, and so I didn't really go and play the game to try and do my research on the character as I would if he had been closer to him. I, I was told to kind of stay away from that because we're we're changing the essence of who the character is. So I don't know. He's um, I don't know really what I can say about him. He's he's a kind of young man who has a change of heart. Really, that's that's the best way of putting it. That and that won't get you in trouble. That's good. <laughs> I hope not. No. <laughs> I probably got in trouble loads today, you know. Oh no! <laughs> so, um, 
well, and I know I was talking to um, your your co-star and and um, Michael, the director, and they mm-hmm. said that there was a a Bible because the mythos of this because you're you're not um, unfamiliar with working in a in a piece that has a lot of background and a lot of myth behind it. Um, mm-hmm. How was that? And did you get to look at the Bible that they had for um, from Silent Hill and and uh, how was that to like kind of immerse yourself into with this? I got a I got a sneak peek at it. Yeah, I I, I sort of had a, had a look and and um and had a flick through, but it, it's so complex. The whole thing is so complex that it could boggle your mind if you try and think about these things too much. You know, I tried to keep this movie quite simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, you know, I didn't I had a, a character to play who had clear tasks ahead of him and. And that's you know if I needed anything, I, Michael is so knowledgeable about these these things, you know. So he he knows Silent Hill and its world back to front. So um, if I needed anything, I'd go to him rather lazily, you know. I'd, I, I but I I saw my job as 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 not doing research in this film because it, my character is so muddied as far as in in who you know if I I I could get muddy if I try and you know, marry the two. So I stayed away from doing that. Gotcha. So I, I have to ask because, um, I, as of late, the, the genre world such as sci-fi fantasy and the horror world have become a lot more prevalent, you know, because of game of Thrones and, um, that like with Peter Dinklage winning an Emmy and it's mm-hmm. kind of getting more props, more props to these genres. How, you coming from a world of of you just can't you know you you went to theater and drama school have you realized that that there is more to this stuff than people originally thought in terms of being able to tell the stories and um, what it gives an actor in the way of of art and and giving them roles to really chew up and and get a hold of yeah I I mean I I'm funny I find it uh, hard to remember whether I ever sniffed it genre uh, at, at fantasy or sci-fi you know i don't think i did growing up i but i it maybe wasn't in the forefront of my mind in the kind of acting that i wanted to do but i've been proven wrong because you see with, with something like thrones that it, the the fantasy element is just a sort of mask of things if it's written well then it's it's um it's it's still a good story and it should and it acts as well it's it it can be it should win awards and accolades you know um mm-hmm. and i think hopefully thrones is changing people's minds in that way in the way you've described exactly you know that it's that that we you know that this that genre isn't isn't something to be sniffed at or isn't cheesy and it can say relevant things about the world and the way we live Right, and I, I think with that with that show and with the the quality of of cast that it has as well, like with your work in it, with Sean's work in it, with like Charles Dance's work in it, as you know, you guys are like proper British actors that that just kick butt at what they do. Uh, I think it it's it's the truth. I mean, I, I props to all of you guys. I absolutely love the show. Um, you. Um, you bring a, a pedigree to it and you raise it up from what it could have been uh, kind of like a, uh, you know, a lot of people were throwing it away. And, and, and it's the same with horror as well. Uh, you know, if you get like with, what, like with Joss Whedon and Cabin in the Woods, you have a very high end, high quality product coming out that a lot of people could have just said, oh, it's just going to be TNA with swords and, and oh, look, there's mm. a dragon. But you guys have brought to it and and the the quality to it that's awesome and i think that's with 
with Silent Hill as well. The the uh, you know people don't realize just how much depth is in in this stuff, and it's quite amazing when you guys put it together and, and put it out there for us. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the the reason why Thrones attracts um, such kind of prominent actors as Kieran Hines and Sean, you know, Sean Bean and and um, Charles Dance, and is is that the writing's so good? You'll always mm-hmm. get good actors doing stuff if the writing supports what they want to do. So, I think I think that's why you've got that pedigree brought to it is that they all saw the quality behind it, which comes from you know George originally, and also David and Dan who adapted it, adapted the books. Um, I think I I don't know I I think they're I think, you know, it takes it takes sort of a certain amount of genius from the writers to to create a show like this. Exactly, and um, I know I, I've kept you a little bit over, but I have one more question to ask. Since you've over the last couple of years, you've kind of been baptized in the culture. What do you think about the sci-fi and, and horror and, and um, just kind of like what's considered the geek world? Is it is it treating you well, and are you enjoying being a part of it now? Like uh, what you've it's like you've been a part of. Me, yeah, it's treating me brilliantly. Like awesome. I could not be. I could not be. Could not ask to be treated better than than this world that sort of um, you know that's invited me in with open arms. It's it's um, it's fantastic, and you feel very a great amount of warmth when you go to Comic Con or these things, and you meet fans of of Thrones or Silent Hill or whatever whatever it is. Um, you feel a great amount of warmth towards you, and you know, and I've never had any kind of bad feeling. So I'm. I'm I now consider myself a you know proper geek. Um, oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Yay! I, I consider myself one of the club. You know, I read the books and I bore over them just as much as anyone. So, so um, it's not about sort of looking at it from an outsider's perspective. Wonderful. Well, and I have to just tell you, my friend Kevin, you are his favorite character from the books as well as in the series, and he loves you. So I just had to give that shout out to him to you because you were one oh. of his favorite characters. So. Thanks, Good on you. Thanks, man. No, good on you. Good on you. Well, thank you so much, Kit. I cannot wait to see this. I, I absolutely, um, I'm, I'm in love with this movie now. I've, after hearing all of this and talking to you and getting like the details of what you went through with this and all the, the love that got put into it. So thank you so much. And we can't wait thank for Game of Thrones, Thrones the next season thank either. So thank you and well, stay lo- safe filming there. <laughs> yeah, lovely speaking to you. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Hi, Michael. Thank you for joining us tonight on Fangirl Radio. Oh, you're very welcome. Nice to be here. Thank you. So I'm actually very stoked to get to talk to you because I've I just realized after doing a little bit of research on you how many things you've done that I'm just really in love with. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so, but I want to focus first on Silent Hill, and then I I got to dig a little bit on some of the stuff that you've got upcoming that I'm I'm reading about and going, oh my god, this sounds okay. Amazing. Okay, I'll spill <laughs> the beans. I promise. Oh, good. Well, okay. Yeah, you everyone, you heard that. So, I'm going to get out of him what I want to know here. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm standing prepared to be tortured. <laughs> So you came into this after the project had been sort of delayed. Do do you have? Uh, can you give us an idea of how long it took um, to get this started filming? Um, because I know there was a little, there was a lull in between the first movie and this one. 
Uh, now, I, I hate to be uh, difficult on the first question you've given me, but the truth of the matter is that's a, that's a producer question rather than a director question. I, all I know is I was making a movie with the producer, Samuel Hadidi, who's a, a French-based producer. Um, we made a movie together called Solomon Kane, and while I was developing Kane and going to see Samuel in his Los Angeles office, the, the Silent Hill billboards were all up and down Sunset Boulevard. You know, a wonderful picture of the girl with the no mouth and staring right. down at you. Um, and I was seeing that and going, hey, Sammy, this, this movie looks great. Looking forward to seeing it. And he was, obviously had great expectations for it. And the movie came out, and I went to see it, and I loved, I loved the film. I thought it was beautifully put together by Christoph Gans and, you know, artfully uh, constructed by the director of photography and the production design. I really, really thought it captured what I loved about the Silent Hill games. And, and I went off and then made my movie Solomon Kane with Samuel and Samuel went on and did um, Kane and Parnassus and did the Resident Evil pictures. And I hadn't really thought about Silent Hill until we finished Solomon Kane. And Sammy said, I'm thinking of doing a, another Silent Hill. And I just as a, as a friend, I went, oh, that's great. I, I loved it. And that would be kind of fun. And, and quietly, I said, you know, if Christoph's not interested, I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, and it turned out Christoph wasn't going to do it. And I said to Samuel, listen, let's, let's have that conversation. I said, yeah, sure, sure. He wanted to do a, a sequel to the movie. And though it's sort of five, six years later, it was actually is a lucky break for me because what I wanted to do was tell the story of that little girl grown up and right. to see what, what had happened to her. And that plays into adapting game number three from the Silent Hill world really, really nicely. So it was sort of completely fortuitous for me that the timings worked very nicely. Um, gotcha. And, and uh, yeah, so then I set up, set up trying to put the story together. Well, and that's kind of what I was going to ask, too, is like, where did you, because you, you kind of took over as writer and director on this, and mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to find out from you, why did you pick that particular storyline, and what what led to the story that's in this movie? Because it's sort of a combination of things, and uh, I really, I'm really interested to see it, because it does continue on, and you brought back a, a few of the original actors as well. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the, the, the key with this was, and the sort of the directive from Sammy as the producer, was that this has got to be a sequel to the movie, which is great. We understood that. So it's got to continue that, the story of those characters or the principal characters. It's got to be an adaptation of one of the Silent Hill games, which is fine. That's game number three was the one that made the sense to me to use. Um, but also, it's got to work for an audience who may not have seen the first movie and may not have ever played the game and don't know anything about Silent Hill. And one of the things about Silent Hill is it's such a rich universe of, of the mythology that it can also get sort of excluding for a mainstream audience who don't know anything about it and just can't follow the kind of complexities of that, those worlds. So the challenge was to have a script which did all three of those things so that the movie could also do all three of those things. And the choices I made narratively were driven by the fact that I wanted this to be a sequel to the first one and I wanted the, the, hero, the heroine to be Heather Mason. And Heather Mason's story is game number three. And then I sort of looked at the, looked at the story of, of the game again. I've you know, played it years earlier and, and hadn't really paid that kind of close attention to it. I played it just as a game player. Um, so I went back, sort of unpicked the story a little bit and figured out that, yeah, I can do this. I can, I can find out about Heather. We can learn through this story. She can learn the sort of the truth of what happened to her and who she is, uh, having escaped Silent Hill through ways I can't tell you because it's all sort of covered in the new movie. 
Um, and, but, but decides she has to return to this place because she has to go and find her father who's, who's since gone missing. Um, again, I don't want to give you too much of the plot away, but because the first movie dealt so strongly with uh, a mother looking for her daughter, I wanted this movie to deal with a daughter looking for her father. Gotcha. And that, that, the reflection of that I really liked. And also the, there's one of the sort of the subtler themes running through this movie is family and relationships and how you deal with those things for good or ill. Um, and just to make those, those themes work alongside telling and creating a, a hopefully you know, very scary, great, mainstream entertaining horror picture. Well, and and I absolutely love the trailer that I got to see uh, in the in the look of this movie. And um, I one of the questions I really wanted to ask you was, how did you what what did you take from the original film the look and and feel of it, and what what did you want to bring to this to up that ante? Because it's in three D. It's it's got to be a lot more visually like grabbing because of that. What did you want it to you know what led to how this film looks? Well, I mean, I think the, the trick of it is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and I thought Christoph and uh, his team did a, a fantastic job of creating a you know, genuinely original-looking, striking, sophisticated um, horror picture. And, and there's nothing, been nothing that looks like Silent Hill um, since then until this new Silent Hill. And what I said to Samuel was, I, I don't want to change it. I want to make it better. I want to do this. Some, uh, my visual sensibility is a little bit darker, perhaps a little bit edgier, a little bit dirtier and nastier. But the aesthetic is, is very strong. And Silent Hill, the game, lends itself to that anyway. So what I tried to do is assemble as many of that original creative team as possible. A lot of them I'd worked with before on Solomon Kane. Um, the, the DP wasn't available, so I found a really, really good Italian guy called Maxim Alexander who had worked, done some 3D and shot some horror movies that I really liked. Um, Carol Spear, the production designer, again, wasn't available, so I went to somebody who'd worked with her and understood that aesthetic. Um, I reassembled the monster, the monster team of Patrick Tatopoulos and Paul Jones and his workshop in Toronto to create the creatures. And really, you know, even from the sound designer, I used the same sound design team. Akira Yamaoka, who is uh, integral to the actual games themselves, came back on board with Jeff Danner to compose some music for us. Um, so I really was, for one of the, I wanted to be able to say that this is aesthetically close to the first film. It is a progression because obviously I'm a different director. And of course we use the 3D to hopefully enhance that experience. So it's not just a kind of gimmicky, hey, let's make it 3D. It was a, a series of serious conversations about, is this going to make it better? Is this just going to make it a thing? Or is it going to make it worse? And initially I'd been quite, um, a little bit circumspect about using 3D. I wasn't a great fan of it as a, from a movie-going experience, but the more I thought about it and the more we talked to the technical guys behind it, I realized I could, I could use it in a way which would help you to draw you into the world in the same way that Heather, played by Adelaide Clemens, is, you know, she's drawn into the world. Um, so when you pass through this kind of the fog with the ash falling down, it, I mean, in 3D, that's just amazing. It just, you feel like you're in there. Um, so there were, there were things that I knew I could do with the 3D that I thought would be great, and I insisted on shooting it in 3D rather than doing any post-production 3D, so that on the set, on the day, I could see what it looked like. These huge, unwieldy 3D cameras were there, um, and live, we had you know, big HD monitors, and you could just see it in 3D, and I could control the amount of 3D, and I thought, if I can do that, then we could do something really interesting in this. But the, the, the knock-on effect of that is that this is a 3D movie, and I know there will be people who don't want to see it in 3D. They don't like it. It gives them a headache or they just think it's a silly gimmick. 
and they'll see they'll choose to see it in 2D which it will be available in 2D but that's not the movie I made I made a 3D movie and I shot it and framed it and did the camera work for 3D I even even the design of the sets and where I positioned the props was to make the 3D work and the editing is at a pace which works for 3D and the sound design uses 3D, the fact that you can have depth into the screen as well as out of the screen. So if they're going to see it in 2D, they're not really seeing the movie that I made. Gotcha. And and that's the, the double-edged sword of it, because you have people that can't deal with 3D for whatever reason, vision problems or whatever, and it kind of sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, as an, as an artist... You can. That's a tool that is is really amazing when you use it right. And 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 I, you know, I was talking to Adelaide before you came on, and she was talking about he saw this already and saw the ash falling down and how cool it was to see. Just and you almost can feel it um, around you. Mm. And oh, that's completely. Yeah, I mean, I think the, this is a problem. There's, and there, there are some audience members who gen, who just can't experience 3D for whatever reason. Um, and I think this is the, because we've still we're still quite new 3D technology. I, I I don't think we're too far away from not even having to use glasses. You know, I've, right. I've seen I've seen glasses-free technology, and it works. It's just going to take a little bit of time to get there. It may end up being working in television much better than it works as a theatrical thing. Um, so, I, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I had to make a movie that I thought was going to be the best version of this movie. Well, and it looks great. I mean, it looks absolutely beautiful. And the other thing she mentioned that I wanted to talk to you about, because it just made me happy when she said it, was, uh, you know, and I've only gotten to see the trailer, was you were very, you know, damn about, we're using um, special effects that are real, like prosthetics and things like mm-hmm. that. And I really respect that because I think it adds to the whole whole experience. Did you um, did you have any problems kind of pushing that through, though? Because I know a lot of studios are trying to go more CG because it's cost effective. But was it what 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 was that like for you to try and get all that done in, in practical? Um, I mean, it's it's sort of a given for me. In the world of horror movies, I think real creatures, costume monsters, uh, are the best kinds of monsters. And you can you the, the advantage it gives you a, a several fold. But I mean, one obviously you spoke to Adelaide, and the fact that she could stand on a set with the creature um, right. allows her to give a more genuine, visceral response to it. Um, it's no good me saying here is a tennis ball, and in six months' time, it's going to be very frightening. <laughs> you know, it's it's not. It just doesn't help anybody. And yeah, they can use their visual imaginations, and I'm sure they'll give a genuine reaction. But it's not as good as having somebody in an amazing bit of makeup where you know his whole brain is exposed, and you see the flesh having been pulled down from the cranium, and where his face would be, there's his open, this gaping mouth wound, and he's kind of staggering towards us out of the darkness. You know, that's how, I'm just going to get a better p- p- response, and the creature's going to look better. It, 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 but having said that, there are things that CG can do which prosthetics can't do, and there is one digital creature in the in the movie, which I just simply couldn't achieve on the the, the time and the budget that I had, because I'd have taken so long to shoot it. I, it was a it's a thing called the mannequin monster, and it's just basically made up of mannequin body parts all come together with heads and legs and bits of torso, and it's, it's a really frightening, visceral kind. The creature, but to make that as a rod puppet or as a model would just have been impossible. So you know that that was a choice. You go, I really want this creature. I think it's going to be really terrific for the audience. Um, very creepy, very frightening. 
let's you know let's bite the bullet and make it make it cg and actually on the screen it looks absolutely fantastic in 3d it looks really terrific so those are the choices but on the whole i'd rather go costume even if you do you know it is rubber it is made of silicon it is whatever it is latex and you'll see a crinkle in places and that's the edge of a costume and then in post-production the choice is do you paint that out or leave it or keep the reality of it? I sort of think our audience enjoys that. As long as the song, and, and we had obviously Paul Jones and his team, who are the, pretty much the best creature makers in the world right now, they delivered some really amazing work. So I think the choice was correct, and I think the choice was correct for creative and performance reasons. Um, well, and I, I'm happy about it. I'm a big fan of, of practical and prosthetic work. I think it's art, Good. you know. So oh, yeah. it really is. It really. And that's the, I mean, that's the other thing. Just for me as a filmmaker, is that I get to go to a workshop where people are making monsters. You know, I, there's, I would n- die. there's nothing better. <laughs> there's nothing better. I kid you not. There's nothing better. You know, you, you open a door and you see, you know, these rubber torsos and bits of body hanging from walls. And then there's half a monster built here. And you look at all the other monsters this guy's made for other movies. And there's a bit from Resident Evil or whatever. You know, that's that's geek heaven for me. Whereas <laughs> if it's done digitally, you just kind of go, yeah, it's that bunch of pixels on the screen. There's nothing. You know, there's nothing to touch or play with or feel. It's it just takes all the fun out of it. Exactly. And I, I, I live for the day I finally get to walk into a place like K&B and just look around and then try to run out grabbing something under my coat. And just <laughs> <laughs> I, you, I remember one of the great things. I went to uh, Stan Winston's studios oh. when the great man was still alive. And uh. into, I went, to, went for a conference meeting with the, there. And his conference room was, is this incredible place because there's all the creatures he ever made are staring down at you from this wall. So you have the Terminator and the alien and the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park and, you know, um, Johnny Depp said with Scissorhand, everything you can imagine, everything that certainly my teenage years were built on mm-hmm. is there. And it's in- absolutely extraordinary. And that's just kind of, and then he gave me a tour, got a tour of the workshop and it's just amazing. And that's, that's the best thing about filmmaking. Oh man, I got to meet him um, at Comic Con before he passed away, and I was so mm-hmm. thrilled that I got that chance because he was there talented man, his... talented man. Oh, God, I shook his hand. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's and it's, it's you know it's worth it. You know, the the, the dude created some iconic things. Oh man, it was just amazing. Um, but I, I know I'm getting ready to lose you here in just a second. But I have to ask you about this movie that you're working on. That's I, I think it's in pre-production right now called The Fourth Reich. And oh yeah. You have like a ton of great actors in this, and I'm really, really stoked about it. But I have to ask you, you have two guys in this that I, I know for dying and everything they're in, which is mm-hmm. Sean Bean and Sean Pertwee. Tell me that you don't kill one of them, at least. <laughs> I'm not telling you anything. Um, it's, honestly, for the fourth like we're sort of prepping it now. It's going to be a really, really interesting project because it's it's a it's a found footage, but World War Two found footage project. So the idea is that these you know a soldier, a, a, a journalist was embedded with uh, an Allied unit going through, through occupied Europe, discovering that the Nazis had been dallying with terrible powers and creating you know, their, their sort of zombie super soldier concept. Um, but it's done through fan footage. And I, I'm not a fan 
footage fan, but once they pitched me this idea, oh, uh, I thought that was really, really exciting. Um, young first-time filmmaker, I'm executive producer, I'm really not that involved in it, I'm just letting them get on with it, giving advice as I can, as they sort of discover the pitfalls. I, you know, I help them to get Sean, Sean Bean involved, and, but you know, we're a little way off shooting it yet, so time will tell how it turns out and who's finally involved, but I'm definitely not telling you who dies and who doesn't, because that would spoil the surprise. <laughs> well, it's like, I'm looking at the list, I'm like, oh my God, these guys always die. Don't well, you know, well, they're, they're so good at it as well. Oh, and I love Sean Pertwee too, because I his mm. father was one of my favorite doctors and he's like kind of... Ah, uh, yes. You know, I, I love him and everything he's in too. Cause well, I've, I've already killed Sean Pertwee once in one of my movies, so there's no reason not to do oh, it again. True, that's true. God, come on. Let the guy live once. Jeez. And you've got Tom Savini in there and Doug Bradley too, which is amazing. So I'm I'm Yeah, no, there's, there's some good there's some good guys. As long as it all goes according to plan, it should turn out to be a, a really interesting, really creepy little movie. I, I love the idea of it being old found footage because it, you're right, that, that that concept is having a hard time being fresh anymore i mean it's, yeah no no this is great. They, they shot some test footage on it and it's absolutely fantastic so i mean i've got i've got really high hopes it's a huge challenge it's going to be low budget but uh, i think it's going to be good that is awesome well you know i thank you so much michael i i really appreciate it this has just been uh i'm really stoked to see this movie and and i actually i love solomon kane too so you've done some great stuff and oh and- thank you very much october 26th cinema in eu go see it you'll enjoy it i'm sure Yes, yes. Thank you so much again for your time. Take care now. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Hi, hi, Hi. Adelaide. Thank you for joining us on Fangirl Radio. Oh, no. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, and and I'm very excited about this movie. It looks absolutely beautiful. And um, I just want to also say thank you for taking the time to talk to us. I know you guys are super busy at (laughs) Comic-Con. Yeah, no, we're having a great time. It's, um, It's pretty incredible here. Is it the Ms. first Pac-Man time you've been walking around and all sorts of things? Pardon? Is it the first time you've been to Comic Con before? Um, it's the fir- yeah. No, I went to the San Diego Comic Con for the first time um, earlier in the year, but this is my first time at, at New York Comic Con, um, oh, and nice. yeah, I'm loving it, and I love New York, so I'm very happy to be here. Awesome! And you said you saw Miss Pac Man walking around. Have you seen anything else even crazier yet? <laughs> Yeah, oh my gosh. I mean, well, Miss Pac-Man seriously was a highlight because I was like, <laughs> that's kind of pure originality. Um, then uh, I, I saw the evil witch from um, The Little Mermaid. Ursula? Um, except oh, nice. It was a man. Um, so that was kind of, <laughs> so that was kind of, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and then, oh, and then it was, you know, we were doing the signing for the, for the posters. Um, uh-huh. which was really fun and and Kit Harrington is, is here with me and you know we had we had a few kind of you know obviously a few John Snow's kind of walk into the room um, <laughs> was, which was very very surreal I think for him but I just we just giggled our heads off um, and then um, and then there was this man with a squiggle on his head and wearing like a yellow t-shirt and we were like oh, we, we just have to ask you know just explain the squiggle and he was like Charlie Brown. I Charlie was like, Brown. Oh my God. <laughs> Charlie Brown. Cool. Silly me. Um, so yeah, no, it's been really, really fun. That is awesome. Uh, they, there's some pretty original stuff that I've ever seen, like the Joker Jedi with a Harley Quinn that was in Slave Leia gear, but it was color coded. Oh my God. Harley. 
those are some amazing stuff. But I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to, I want to ask you about this movie because the original Silent Hill movie uh, came out quite a few. It was, it was a while ago, and it's pretty awesome to see this coming back. I wanted to ask yeah. you: Have did you see the original film before you uh, took on this project? Yeah, I'd seen it obviously like ages ago, um, but I was. I think I was like twelve when it came out, so I I didn't see it. Uh, I didn't see it until I was about sixteen or something. Um, and I just, I mean, I I just remember being terrified. And I do, you know, what really stood out to me when, you know, when I went back to the film because obviously once I once I got involved in the project and um, I went back to the first film and watched it, and the aesthetic is just so beautiful and. Um, Christoph Gans just did such a good job with, you know, with the world of Silent Hill um, and taking, you know, taking those elements of the game and, 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 um, and, and trans, you know, translating it into film. So, um, yeah, so it, but it is, it is quite, it's eerily beautiful in a way. Well, and I was going to ask as well, did, did the look and feel of this one, how does it compare? Is it, does it, up it up a notch with it being 3D and and and, and oh yeah it, completely you oh, know nice. I think 3D is like it's the perfect marriage between video game and film because you're you are literally immersed in you know in the in the world of Silent Hill mm-hmm. um, obviously there's you know there's differences um, in the, in a video game you control the journey that you go on and 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 in film you are taken on a journey but. But, I mean, the 3D is pretty cool. You know, I've seen it myself, and you literally have the ash of Silent Hill, like, drifting oh, around you when the fog nice. set in. And, 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 and it's, it's more that rather than, like, monsters jumping out of you that we've played with. So I think um, it's, it, they've done a really exceptional job. Nice, and uh, that was one of the things that always stood out to me from the games in the f- and the, fil- the first film was just it is horrifyingly beautiful. I mean, that's really yeah, the best yeah. way to describe it. It just looks like yeah. art come to life that's going to kill you. I know, I know. <laughs> so what yeah. attracted you to this? Was it, were you a fan previously? Because I know there was something that, um, that Michael Bassett did where he was asking fans, who do you think should be the lead in this? And, and uh, was mm-hmm. that part of the process that kind of got you involved? No, I, I don't think so. You know, I was approached by Samuel Hadida, the producer at the Sundance Film Festival, and um, it's actually really, it, it was one of those surreal, and I think it will be a very rare experience in my life, but I was, I was at the Sundance Film Festival promoting another film called Vampire, and I was just kind of plodding along with my mom and friends, and um, um, <clears throat> this French man just came barreling across, across the street in the snow, and followed me around the festival, and then, and then, and, and then, ah, oh, you know, I, we were at the premiere or something, and and he pulled out his BlackBerry and he had a picture of Heather on his BlackBerry. And he was like, "You have to be in my film. You have to be Heather." You know, and I was like, "Um, uh, uh, should I introduce myself? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm Adelaide. Like, it was just, it was, it was so surreal." And then. And then I got sent the script when I was back in LA and, and I was like, wow, this guy's kind of serious. And, um, and the thing is, you know, once, once I, had, I did meet Sammy, he's such a genuine man. So um, it was, yeah, it was one of those kind of pinch yourself moments. But um, uh, to me, you know, what I, what I really, what I really um, 
you know, I, I responded to in the script was, you know, Heather is a girl who's moved around a lot as a child and she, you know, she's, um, and, and, and she, she, her father goes missing and she, you know, she does any, she goes into the world of Silent Hill to save him and, you know, to go to those lengths for family, to go to any lengths for family, I, I completely relate to. So, you know, that's, that's where, that's my, that's what pulled me in. That's nice. And, and it, it, the plot and mythology kind of leading into that is the plot and mythology of the Silent Hill franchise, the games and the films is yeah. so deep and it's sort of, it's fairly complex too. I mean, it's not yeah. just, you know, no, hack and it's slash. There's a lot to get your head around, yeah. Well, how was that explained to you? Did they have sort of a, a Silent Hill Bible to give to you or Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, they had, Konami had a Silent Hill Bible and, and a, um, you know, Michael had it at first and Laurent, one of the executive producers, um, um, he is he is actually the genesis of this entire film you know, franchise. Right. He, Laurent is, is um, Samuel Hadida's son and he um, he was just obsessed with the game as a child and, um, you know, and, and so they bought the rights and, and started making the film. But, um, you know, which I think is a really beautiful thing and something that should be noted is that this is a film made by, you know, by fans. Um, like Michael Michael and Laurent, to get to see them, like, talking about the game and when they start nerding out and, like, going through all the mythology and the facts and things, you're like... Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> we're all just a bunch of kids, really. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, so so the Bible was amazing, and the mythology. You know, I think that's what a lot of the gamers really love about this. You know, about the Silent Hill game is there's so much to figure out, and and kind of symbolism, you know, and and kind of second meanings and things. So um, uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's been as an actor, it's just it's just really fun and and it's kind of a, a great it's, it's a it's a blessing to have so much just this wealth of like material to work with that's great so the one thing I was curious about was um with you and Kit you're kind of the new kids to the block because the original cast for the most part has come back to this film how was it coming into that with a, a group that had already previously worked together on this yeah, um well it was it was wonderful. I mean everyone, you know, Ryder and Sean are just such, you know, beautiful people, um and and, and you know, incredibly talented actors and but you know, they, they were they were all so welcoming and, and you know, willing to share knowledge and um and and they were just very generous with their time and, and patience and um and it quickly became a family, you know, a new family of sorts. So um, yeah, there were there were no obstacles there. Nice. And was there any like uh, of Sean and Kit sort of you know hashing it out about about Game of Thrones and being like, yeah, oh, thanks yeah, for thanks for letting me get my all head cut time. off, son. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. They. Do. I think that you know they have a wonderful relationship and have worked together. Yeah. Obviously, on, on both the on the Game of Thrones and now this and. Um, uh, it was it's it was just so nice that we we all had you know we had ties and and links and rad as Australians so um, we kind of had a bond there and it nice. was uh, it was just a wonderful wonderful vibe on set. Nice. So what? How was it working? Because I believe because I, I also by the way I I saw the trailer for Vampire and that looks gorgeous. 
I'd really love yeah, to see yeah. it at some point. Um, yeah. Just okay. random insertion there. <laughs> but um, how was it working with, uh, on the first time in, a, in a, such a heavily 3D effects-driven film? Because I saw in the trailer for this, it just looks like there is a lot of stuff going on that you have yeah. to pretend is there. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, fortunately, I didn't have to pretend. Um, I mean, I had to pretend in terms of, you know, um, <laughs> what I do for a living. But I, um, <laughs> I, no, I had to, I, I didn't have to kind of, um, create monsters in my head. We only had one CGI monster, believe it or not. I mean, really? Michael, yeah, Michael was adamant that, that we have in, you know, we have the monsters made. Um, through costume and prosthetics, and so we were working with, with you know, real life in the flesh monsters, which um, were wow. pretend. But um, <laughs> but no, but you know, I, I got to I got to work with you know. Not only are they 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 they're right before you, and and you can respond to you know the gruesome and goriness of of the costumes themselves, but also the the people and the you know the actors and the stuntmen playing those um, and embodying those those roles, they have personalities and they you know they they were able to perform um, perform themselves and and you know with each performance came like um, new discoveries. So it was it was um, it was just it was just a blessing. I mean, I you know I, I was genuinely scared most of the time, <laughs> and there wasn't like I wasn't looking at a tennis ball. Nice. That I I I'm amazed by that because the the trailer it looks so slick that I'm yeah, just yeah. I'm impressed by that. That makes me very happy because I'm a, a fan of, yeah. of practical. I think it really. Yeah, I don't. You know, I think it's rare in film that they do that, and and I think um, it takes it back to. Uh, yeah, I think maybe that's that's what's missing in some of these. Um, I think it's you know there's, there's, it's it's very demanding as a, 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 for an actor to um, um, to or very challenging for an actor to kind of yeah create such such intricate monsters and and then and also perform and and play different uh, be themselves a different character. So right. I really hope this elevates performances in that way. Well, and that's one of the things that it kind of makes me think after after you said that, I'm looking at in my head, remembering this trailer and seeing these characters. It makes me think of something like Del Toro would have done with Hellboy, where he he's very much into, I want everything as real as possible. I don't want to do CG. Yeah, I want yeah. To do this. And, it, totally. and it adds to it, and it makes it just pretty um, as yeah. well. So that's great. I'm, yeah. I'm even more excited now for this because yeah. that just makes oh, me happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and I, I know I'm about ready to lose you here in just a second, but I have one more no, quick okay. question. Um, yeah, kind of leading into that, uh, what what scene, like an intense scene? Because there's some. It looks like you got some doozies here, and Silent Hill's known for putting yeah. your character specifically through the ringer. What sticks yeah. out in your head as one of the scenes that makes that'll make people just go holy crap you know look what they did to her oh gosh um yeah i mean there's so many there there was an incredible you know there was a scene with kit where um um he was strapped to a gurney and and it's it it was with all the months with all the nurses oh um, yeah like the formed nurses and they were played by they were performed by um uh you know dancers and contortionists so 
um, that was that was a really nerve wracking scene because we were kind of we're in the middle of these you know nurses and so these dancers actually they actually had a very difficult time seeing because the masks the masks kind of go over their eyes and and, right. um, and you know and obscure their vision so. that was one element also Vincent was I mean um, you know Kit was kind of strapped to this gurney that I and he depended on me to unbuckle him Um, and then I don't you know and then Michael offset kind of screaming all sorts of you know new directions and um, (laughs) just to to elevate things and kind of keep us on our toes Um, and then we had a shot we had the, the camera strapped to the gurney and um, and it collapsed onto the ground. So there's a great shot in the film where you, you know you see you see it's from Vincent's perspective, and you see him kind of fall and tip over. But there were just so many elements involved, and like you know these these dancers wielding weapons with <laughs> without being able to really see anything, gurneys <laughs> that were going to tip over and cameramen that may get trapped under the gurney and I had to unstrap it and it might <laughs> just cascade into the middle of the room. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a bit of a headache, that one. But, That's but we, made it, we made it out alive. <laughs> nice. So was oh. the camera falling over supposed to happen? <laughs> Well, yeah, it was strapped to the gurney and the gurney had to tip, but it's so complicated. I don't even know why I speak. <laughs> Just go see the film and you might, you might, you might be able to put it all together. Because I remember um, I was talking to the, the, the gang that made the Resident Evil movies and at one point, I guess the uh, 30, it was like this crazy $3 million 3D camera got broken because oh someone God. threw a, yeah, a weapon. Yeah, the weapon went through the the barrier and hit the camera or something like that. It was like, oh, yeah. No, there's all sorts of kind of I don't know interesting, interesting stakes going on. But um, no, yeah, no, it, it, it's really fun working in 3D and um. Yeah, I just, I hope you enjoy it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Adelaide. And thank you for coming on. This was great. And um, I can't wait to see this movie now, especially after finding out. Oh, cool. I'm so glad. It's so wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you again. And uh, I can't wait to see it this month. It comes out and we're all excited for it. So I know the fans are too. October 26th. Yeah, awesome. All right. Awesome. Have a great, yeah, happy Halloween. (laughs) Happy Halloween to you, too. Have a good time in New York. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Yeah.
Yeah. <laughs>